Well, now during pregnancy and beyond, what to eat and drink to thrive? Our guest is registered nutritionist Vanessa A. Clarkson. She specialises in infant, child and maternal nourishment. Her book Mother Food has over 40 recipes to help expectant and new mums rise to the task. They're plant-based, whole food recipes for drinks, meals, breakfast, snacks and very importantly desserts and they're low in refined sugars. Vanessa's an advocate for healthier food systems. She's worked with the Australian supermarket Coles to remove food additives, salt and sugars from everyday foods as part of Australia's Health Star rating system and is studying towards a PhD in food system transitions at the University of Melbourne. She lives there with her husband and three boys and her fourth child is due in a few months. Hello Vanessa, welcome. Hello there. It's nice to be with you. Today. Congratulations. Did you know you were expecting when you started this book? I doubt it, because I suspect the book's gestation is probably a little longer than, <laughs> than the new babies, yeah? Oh, uh, no, it was a complete surprise. We were not planning. We, three boys is plenty to keep us occupied. So, uh, no, it's a complete surprise. But due, due in um, a few months now, so very exciting. It's interesting, uh, given where you're at at the moment, what, what are the experiences... Uh, during pregnancy with the so-called cravings and the sometimes peculiar cravings people report. Can you elaborate a little on what the science tells us and also your your experience and that of others? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, it's super interesting how your body um, shifts through pregnancy, not just physically, of course, that you can see, but what's going on um, inside and the way... Um, in which your sort of perceived food and your preferences change sometimes with no um, particular rhyme or reason and you can um, end up craving or sort of um, disliking as being the opposite you know foods that you normally liked and foods you, you start to crave that you never ordinarily would want to um but there's sort of uh, changes that we experience through pregnancy to our food preferences is actually really understudied. Um, part, part of that is to do with the fact that particularly with morning sickness is sort of the first shift that you experience in, in, in what you usually like to um, eat. For a long time, um, scientists thought that morning sickness was something that we were making up as women. Um, and it was something that we were imagining. And, and it was, and so it was not researched for a long time, but it was really dismissed. And it's only actually relatively more recently where scientists have come to the view that actually it is a real experience that women um, go through to, uh, uh, and on a spectrum of course some women can can notice huge shifts in um, responses to different foods and, and and you know to the extreme of you know vomiting several times a day and other other women of course can just feel I say just um, it's not it's, it cannot be pleasant even if it's just a minor morning sickness but you know just that sort of um, general nausea that sort of can hit you at, really at any time of the day it's not it's not um, just down to to the morning uh, so it, it's a bit misleading that, that term um, so actually in terms of what we know as to why we have these shifts and whether they're really telling us um, anything is, is really under understudied um, but one of the more sort of growing sort of more prevalent theories that we've got more information on now is that particularly with morning sickness 
um, that because that sort of um, happens around the early stages of pregnancy where your um, baby is really sort of um, a, a sort of higher risk of um, influences from from what you're from what you're eating um, then it's more of a protective function that you that, that the morning sickness is um, fulfilling so it's about sort of avoiding those foods or encouraging you to avoid those foods that would in the wilds back in the day where our ancestors were sort of um you know not consuming packaged foods and so on and there was a greater risk of food poisoning or toxicity and so really about sort of avoiding those more higher risk foods in the early days when you're more susceptible to you know um toxicity or or illness so what do you recommend and what do you self-follow when it comes to nutrition uh during um during pregnancy itself and of course there's a lot going on physically emotionally everything else and all of that feeds into what we choose to eat or what we crave or what we feel like eating uh, any time of the week but what are you looking yes. for when you, when you come at this from a nutritional perspective what are you wanting at this phase yeah well the, the your body will do a lot of work for you firstly so um uh most what your body will do when you're pregnant is it really slows down the digestive process is the first thing to know so that's why sometimes when you're pregnant you can experience discomfort um and uh you know just feel a bit sluggish and heavy and so on and that's just your body slowing down digestion to absorb more more nutrition from the from whatever foods it is that you eat so the first thing to say is that your body's working on behalf of you already um, and so in terms of what you provide yourself with foods and so on that sort of support your body um, rather than you know having that sort of view that it's really absolutely imperative that you need to do x y and z to um, have a healthy pregnancy your body's sort of on your side here um, and in terms of the actual sort of foods and things um, to eat during pregnancy it, it doesn't differ a huge deal from what we would um, advocate for generally, really, in terms of mostly um, fresh and minimally processed fruit foods. So lots of um, fruit and vegetables, particularly green leafy vegetables. Um, green leafy vegetables are really high in um, folate, um, which is the sort of key nutrient that you often hear about um, with with regards to pregnancy it, it helps um uh, an embryo develop um so lots of green leafy vegetables lots of whole grains um and pulses um but in terms of the main thing you will notice i think is how you shift what you eat over the day so you may not be able to manage as much um you may need to have smaller portions throughout the day and eat more regularly um, and your your blood uh, sugar also shifts a lot um, and so you can get these real sort of highs and lows in energy levels and so on so eating small amounts of and often of these sort of more nourishing whole food based um, meals and snacks is the way to go when uh, breastfeeding to support breastfeeding um, and, and uh, nourish the breastfeeder uh, again there are some basic fundamentals um, of nutrition, but are there extra things to consider at this time, Vanessa? Yeah, well, the main thing with um, 
um, there's lots of practical challenges, I think, with breastfeeding because um, even down to things like having foods that you can eat with one hand because you often can be sort of trapped in a position for quite a long time. Um, feeding um, a newborn um, or a baby that's a few months old and so um, it's more thinking about practical things that you can practically have available that are not going to spill all over your baby while you're feeding your baby and so that's the first thing to sort of point out the second thing I would say is that um, breastfeeding is very sort of um, uh, draining from a hydration point of view as well so and you actually that's why when you start to feed a baby you will usually um, almost instantaneously get this thirst as if you'd never drunk um, fluid before and all of a sudden you're super thirsty um, and that's your body telling you that you need to replenish the fluid that you're um, giving over to your um, baby. So plenty of fluids um, to, to keep up with those higher demands. Um, the other thing to think about is um, whether, you know, what your birth experience was like and whether you, um, if you experience significant blood loss, for instance, during the birthing process, then um, that can leave you um, depleted. So both your body is trying to produce um, breast milk to, uh, and will prioritise that for your baby. At the same time, you'll need to, to work hard to replenish your um, nutritional stores that may have become depleted through pregnancy and through the birth process itself. Yeah. Let's look at, <clears throat> excuse me, let's look at family eating. In your case, it's a, it's a good sized family and it's getting bigger. Uh, do you find yourself pretty much the family having the same meals? Uh, are there some adjustments that you have to make? And just follow up on that, have you had to deal with, with uh, periods of fussy eaters or fussy eating? Sure. Well, um, all pretty pretty much the majority of children will go through staging a stage of um what we call fussy eating from um usually from around sort of a year old um uh onwards it sort of peaks around 18 months and then declines and perhaps in a similar way to um morning sickness as being sort of a protective function it's thought that this is um, it's thought that fussy eating in this sort of age is linked to a protective effect. Uh, back in the wilds, again, when you have these newly mobile infants crawling all over the show, perhaps eating things that they that would not necessarily be um, healthy or beneficial for them. It's their way of their bodies sort of telling them to narrow down what they're eating to reduce that risk. Um, so that's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is it is overcomable <laughs> in as much as we we learn to like um uh foods um so and and the way we do that is through exposure um and so really to uh, to cultivate um like broad healthy um dietary preferences in children it's really um boils down to exposing them repeatedly to healthy foods um, and being quite persistent with that. And we absolutely, with all our children, have experienced these um, phases um, of um, sort of more restricted eating or things that the, the, the boys would previously eat happily um, and then the plate gets pushed to the side. We try not to make a big 
deal of that. Um, it's just them sort of many reasons exerting their um, autonomy and so on. Um, and so we, you know, just persist in offering these foods, not making it a battleground when they don't accept it, but just sort of reinforce that these you know foods are, are really sort of beneficial give them lots of energy try not to make it about sort of nutrients or appearance but um you know just uh, and promote these foods uh, that you want to encourage as being delicious which we think they are of course um so and then the other thing that you mentioned then was um just from a practical point of view i think you know it's really trying to um get you know reach a point with your family where you are almost mostly eating the same thing because otherwise it does it can become a big chore to um have to make you know several different dishes or different ways of um preparing foods or, and so on um, and meal times are busy enough and can be tricky enough and challenging when you layer on top of that that you're a tired parent um so it's really sort of putting that early that work in early on particularly when they're sort of infants and, and toddlers and in the earlier years so that it sort of pays back later on and you're not having to do that. Yeah, tips also about having leftovers so you're not preparing, you know, uh, multiple meals where possible. Like you've got tips about having the bento lunch boxes, the little stainless steel bento lunch boxes so that you can have a variety of, of, of foods there. Um, and a lot of what you sort of angle at in the book is that if you can break the cycle both for... Um, for for the mothers and in, in, in mother food, um, going through a life transition like this, break that cycle we may have all had on sugary treats, and equally for the kids, or perhaps a, a prevent it forming with the kids. It's a matter of persistence, but but you argue you can adjust. Interesting, the smoothie is your afternoon pick me up. You've heavily plant based, not quite a hundred percent plant based, Vanessa, but close to. And what are the particulars of that? to ensure essential nutrients, especially if someone is breastfeeding or someone is, um, you know, under the load as a, as a, uh, as a parent. Um, what are the essentials? I, there seems to be a lot of uh, focus on pulses here, beans and chickpeas in your meals, but what is it that has to form a basis of a rounded nutrition if you're going heavily plant-based at this stage of your life? Sure. So... Um... Yeah, the, the the mother food book is, as you say, um, all the recipes are that are in there are entirely plant based, um, with tips on how to um, incorporate more animal foods should you wish to do so. It's a bit of a reverse of perhaps um, your more sort of mainstream books that suggest how you can make things um, vegan and so on. So, and the reason I did that was to sort of promote a more um, sort of plant focused approach to um, cooking and preparing foods. Um, not to say that that is, that there is an optimal way of eating because it's different for everyone, but just that in terms of sustainability and health, eating mostly plant foods is what we know to be um, most healthful. Now, of course, um, eating a plant-based um, diet can can be hugely varied um, and you can have a plant-based diet that's um, but based mainly on you know highly processed foods and so on and then you could have a plant-based diet that's um, mainly based on whole foods and they're significantly different in terms of how they impact us and our health um, and that's the same is true whether you incorporate animal foods or, or not um, 
humans can do quite well on mostly plant-based um, foods. So, you know, upwards of 90% of the, the, the foods that you eat um, as plants. Um, there are some um, nutrients that we can't get from um, plant foods or you can get them, but perhaps they're in a form that is a bit more, requires a bit more work for your body to um, incorporate them and so on. Um, so if you are, if you are fully vegan, um, then you, you, and you don't have any plant foods at all, no eggs, milk, cheese, or meat, fish, so on, then you would need to have, um, a vitamin B12 supplement. That's the, the sort of key one that, um, that is essential. Most people who, um, are vegan though would, would know that. Um, but perhaps if you're making the shift, um, to, in, to sort of, significantly reduce the, the animal foods then that would be something to bear in mind um and iodine is another nutrient as well which is found in fish and also dairy products mainly so um if you don't include fish or cheese or yogurt or milk then an iodine supplement um would be um important particularly during um, pregnancy because iodine is super important for a growing baby. Vanessa, thank you. Thank you very, very much. I love the idea of the meal circle or the meal train when parents are really under load and perhaps after the birth of the new baby. I, uh, this is just friends and others getting organised and coming out to help. I hope there's one coming your way in the not too distant future. Uh, Even experienced as you are. Nice. <laughs> yes, thank absolutely. You. Vanessa Clarkson. The book is Mother Food, the Science, Art and Practice of Nourishing Maternal Foodways.